You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Hey, good to see you guys today. So uh, I want to say a big thanks to the many of you who went and served at CAM yesterday to serve the under-resourced in our city. In fact, I want to say a special thank you uh, to those of you that were volunteering, organizing the clothing in the men's clothing room. Because when I walked by there, uh, the group said, hey, Pastor Doug, we found a shirt that's totally you. So they gave me the gift of this Piggly Wiggly t-shirt. So I was pretty stoked about that. So uh, everybody else goes to camp to serve. Your pastor goes to shop. That's, a, that's the way things work there. But in all seriousness, I do want to say a big thanks to those of you that served and also to Humby Severa uh, for organizing the event and making such a great time so that we could serve the under-resourced in our city. So would you guys give it up for those that went and served and uh, Humby for yesterday? Yeah, very good. So in case you're coming here for the first time, uh, we've been in the midst of a teaching series called Hero Maker, and um, a lot of this was actually inspired by a book by that very title written uh, by a guy named Dave Ferguson. And throughout the different weeks, we've looked at how we can not just try and be the hero ourselves, but to develop others into heroes and hero makers in order to exponentially spread the kingdom of God in the world. And you can see the past topics that we dealt with in previous weeks, like multiplication thinking, permission giving, disciple multiplying. But today we're gonna take a look at gift activating, and we're going to do a commissioning of some of the leaders within our church. Now, uh, gift activating requires this mental shift for us, where we're not just trying to develop our own gifts and abilities, but we're trying to activate the gifts and abilities of other people and the way that they serve the kingdom of God here on the earth. Now, when you hear that word activating, activating is kind of a powerful word, isn't it? And when I studied activating in the passage that we'll be looking at today, I wanted activating to be like an explosion word, right? Because dudes, we all love explosions, do we not? I mean, we will watch videos online of things exploding. The guys backstage were just talking about a YouTube channel where a guy exploded a truck. I mean, we just love explosions. Uh, I've got uh, memories of piling up wood, pouring five gallons of gasoline, flicking a match on it. We love explosions. But when I studied the passage we're looking at today, it wasn't an explosion passage. It was something else. So I want to show you how gifts were actually activated in Timothy when Paul taught him in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verses 6 and 7. It says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames. So it's not a, an explosion. It's a fanning into flames, the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Certainly, fire was very important to the ancients. They even had these little pouches that they would carry little coals in to go to a different place. And when they would go to this other place, they needed to cook and use fire to warm themselves. And they would put the little coal down, put wood on top of it, and fan it into a flame. How many of you have ever been camping? Get, get your hands up here in the video cafe as well. Been on camping trips. And uh, so you, you know how you go the first night and you build a fire, don't you? No campsite is complete without a fire. Fire is primal. We love 
fire, do we not? Uh, so in the midst of the fire, people are making s'mores, people are cooking things, people are warming themselves, telling stories, drumming the guitar, all that stuff, right? And then when the evening is over, you get into your tent, you go to sleep, you get up in the morning, you wake up, and the fire is died down, isn't it? And it's just coals. And you put a little bit of wood on the fire, and then you blow on it, you fan it a little bit to get it to flame up. And so I want to ask you if you'd let me do something for you today. Would you let me fan your flame a little bit spiritually? Because some of you coming in there today, you're, you're discouraged, you're tired spiritually. You need someone to fan your flame today to get you fired up again about the things of God. Uh, some of you have gone through hard times. Some of you are sick. You need your flame fanned a little bit, don't you, to be on fire for the Lord like you once were? Some of you, some of you have gone through hard knocks and uh, you, you, you're, you're tired from uh, walking with God, you know, because it's been kind of hard. You need someone to fan your flames today. Now, I'm going to have you fan each other's flames in just a second, but before you do, I want to give this rule. Don't be creepy guy, okay? Uh, don't don't say, say in a very white voice, let me fan your flame, baby. You know, that's not what we're talking about here today, but it's a spiritual fanning of the flame. So turn to someone next to you and tell them, let me fan your flame today. Go ahead. (laughs) I see a few dudes out there. They're like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Totally not doing that. (laughs) Well, uh, perhaps you'll crack before we end the day, but Paul gift activated Timothy when he laid hands on him. That's another thing you don't want to be creepy about, right? When you lay hands on, but uh, in the Bible, the laying on of hands, there was a spiritual significance to it. I want to show you uh, three different things uh, uh, that were activated or or ways that the laying on of hands were, were used throughout the Bible. The first one is praying for healing. If you read through the Gospels and uh, the New Testament, you would see that sometimes Jesus, the apostles, they would lay hands on people, pray for them to be healed, and they would physically be healed. Sometimes uh, when they would lay hands on someone, they were parting, imparting a spiritual ability or a spiritual gift. So if you read through Acts, you would see they would lay hands on people and people would start to prophesy. They might speak in other languages or uh, they might receive some type of spiritual gift on their life. And then the third one, this is the one we're gonna focus on today, is endorsing a leader. If you go back to the Old Testament, you would see them laying hands on people who are gonna become leaders in Israel and you see the same thing happening in the New Testament when leaders in the church would lay hands on someone, they were endorsing them as a leader in the congregation or the family of God. And the laying on of hands oftentimes would fire up or impart these three things that we saw in our focal text for today. And they would impart power, love, and self-discipline. Would you say those three with me out loud, even those of you in the video cafe? Ready? Here we go. Power, love, and self-discipline. These are the things that are unleashed by the laying on of hands. And so let's break down each one of those. We want to fan into flames with power. Fan the flames with power. And uh, if we want to understand power, there are a lot of different kinds of power, aren't there? But we don't want to just find any kinds of power. We want to look at the ones specifically mentioned here in 
the text that we're studying. So the way you figure that out is through context and uh, other verses around the verse you're trying to study. So look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, and we'll see uh, one of two types of power. This verse says, So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And so he's telling young Timothy, young Timothy's like us, he's tempted to go soft sometimes. You ever tempted to do that when, um, you, you know, someone asks you if you're a Christian or ask you if you're religious or you believe in anything and you're tempted to kind of go soft and not say anything about Jesus because you don't want to be labeled to some kind of religious nut or something like that? Well, here he says, do not be ashamed of Jesus. And in other parts of the Bible, it said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation. And you know what we do when we're willing to speak of Jesus? I know an appropriate way ways. You're not trying to be a, you know, a jerk about it or, you know, shove religion down someone's throat, but when in appropriate ways that we will bring up and speak the name of Jesus, it unleashes spiritual power. I don't want us to be a church of people who are soft and who are never willing to say, yes, look, I'm respecting your beliefs. I love you. I'm not trying to ram it down your throat, but I got to tell you, I am all about Jesus, and I'm not going to be ashamed of someone who was willing to die on a cross for my sins. How about you? Anybody on board with that? So look, when we speak about Jesus, we're unleashing spiritual power. Now, here's the reason. The next verse I want to show you is the reason that we can speak boldly about him and not be ashamed of Jesus. And that is in verse uh, 10, for, uh, 2 Timothy 1.10. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. So uh, he broke the power of death. This, is, this passage is all about resurrection. Jesus rose again from the dead. Now there is both a lack of evidence and evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'll start with the lack of evidence. There is no body in the tomb. That's the lack of the evidence. Christianity became a significant movement and somewhat anti-Roman movement in the first century. The Romans were in power. Don't you think that they would have wanted to produce a corpse or at least some bones or something like that to prove that Jesus Christ did not really rise again from the dead? But there is no body. There's no skeleton. There's no bones, no mummy, no nothing because there was an empty tomb. Now, there have been a lot of supposed explanations for the empty tomb. Some of them date back to uh, those biblical times of history where people said, well, the reason that there's no body in the tomb is because the disciples snuck in there and they stole the corpse because they wanted to make it look like Jesus rose again from the dead. But I want you to think through that theory for a minute. These disciples who were common men, a lot of them fishermen, right? So they were able to sneak past a Roman guard a Roman guard is up to 16 special forces trained Roman soldiers who are kind of like the Green Berets of today. So the fishermen snuck past the Green Berets to get into the tomb. And then in order to get the body out of the tomb, they had to roll away the stone. Now there's a Georgia Tech engineering professor who 
estimated that the stone in front of Jesus' tomb was about five feet high and weighed over two tons. So let's go back to this resurrection myth for just a minute. The fishermen snuck past the green berets and while they were at it, rolled a two-ton stone away from the mouth of the cave. And then they went and died for a man that they knew was a hoax. Furthermore, they accepted into their group the Apostle Paul, who used to be Saul, who was a terrorist who would kill Christians, but then he somehow radically changed when he had an encounter with the living Christ. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, and I would agree with the uh, great Harvard law professor, Simon Greenleaf, who was a man who lectured for years on how to break down testimony and determine whether or not a witness was lying, and here's what he said. It was impossible that they, the disciples, could have persisted in affirming the truths they have narrated had not Jesus actually risen from the dead. And had they not known this fact as certainly as they knew any other fact. The reason that you can be unashamed of Jesus Christ is because he really did rise again from the dead. Will you turn to someone next to you and fan him a little bit and say, let me fan your flame with resurrection power. That's good. So let me show you the next one. We looked at power. Some of you are enjoying that a whole lot, a whole lot. Fan the flames with power, love, and self-discipline. Let's look at love for just a minute. Fan the flame with love. Now, we get a glimpse of the kind of love that Paul's talking about in verses 2 and verses, verse 4. Look at verse 2. He says, I'm writing to you, dear Timothy, Timothy, my dear son. Timothy was not his minion or his soldier or whatever it's like. It was his son. That's the way he saw him. And then if you look at verse 4, he says, I long to see you again. For I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we're together again. And this is the way that we should be in the family of God. That's why we constantly have to say in a world where churches are becoming very corporate, like organizations, we're an organism. And we say we're not a franchise, we're a family around here at City Church with brothers and sisters, fathers and sons who love each other, who are doing life together and involved in each other's lives that shed tears for each other because we care so deeply for each other. Brother Lawrence was a Christ follower known for for his intimate connection with God. And here's what he said. We ought not to be weary in doing little things for the love of God who regards not the greatness of the work, but the what? The love with which it is performed. And Mother Teresa spoke on this as well. She said, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great what? Love. Look what else Teresa said. Let us always meet each other with a smile. For the smile is the beginning of what? Love. And so sometimes love has to make its way to our faces. And so could you do me a favor? Could you fan someone's flame and smile at them real big and tell them, let me fan your flames with love. Come on. (laughs) See, it didn't hurt, did it? It Doesn't it take so much more effort to frown? 
Look like you got dipped in pickle juice. Come on, man. It's all good. Let it go. It's all good. So fan the flame with love. But we seem power, love, but also we fan the flame with self-discipline. And Paul reminded Timothy of the disciplines of some of his relatives. Look at verse 5. He says, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. I was talking about this passage with some of our staff members just this past week. And uh, as I did, they started talking about their relatives that had made an impact on them because of their faith. And so Humby talked about his grandmother, who was a devout Catholic Christian woman. And when many of her Catholic friends were praying to saints, she was bold to say, no, I'm praying straight to Jesus. And her faith empowered and emboldened all of her ancestors. And then uh, Jake Kreifels talked about his grandmother, who uh, is still a great student of God's word and uh, a woman of love and faith and prayer. In fact, when she would take the grandchildren to the grocery store with her, she would see someone that looked like they were having a bad day at the register or in line to check out. And she'd say, Jake, you think we can make them smile today? Because she understood like Mother Teresa that uh, love starts with that smile. And then there was uh, Uh, Margot and Sadie telling us about Grandma Jane. Now, Grandma Jane was a woman who was a woman of prayer. In the morning, she would wake up and she would pray throughout the day. And she had a prayer jar in in her house. And when the kids would come over, she would let them pull one of those little handwritten prayer request notes out of the jar and see if that prayer request had been answered just yet fact, she was always praying over the entire family at the big Thanksgiving meal when they would all gather at her house around the table to a meal that she had prepared. And uh, she would pray over everyone. She was known for her Thanksgiving prayers. And I think, I think it's kind of interesting that uh, Grandma Jane passed away on Thanksgiving Day. When they would walk into her house, they would see the little walk-in closet that she had that was her prayer closet. And she had a little desk in there with a Bible on it. And the walls were covered with handwritten prayers, prayer requests on the wall. She inspired their faith with her disciplines. Let me ask you this. Can you think of, off the top of your head, a relative in your life, someone in your family that's inspired your faith? That you've seen their spiritual disciplines and it caused you to want faith? in Jesus in your life? Do you have that person in your mind? Just raise your hand if you've got that person, that family member in your mind. Could we honor them today? Could you just speak to someone next to you and tell them the name of that family member that inspired faith in you? Say it. And they live on today as you speak their names in this context. And some of you were a little discouraged by that because you think, man, I didn't have relatives that pointed me towards Christ. But I want to fan your flame a little bit today, too, because you know what? You're going to be that relative. Your descendants are going to remember your disciplines. And so fire up the flame in your soul 
for Christ because they're going to be some of your nieces and your nephews. They're going to be some of your grandchildren that are going to remember you as a man of God, as a woman of God, who was a person of prayer and a person who studied and knew and learned God's word. Now, many of our spiritual relatives are gone now. They passed on to heaven. But what they would encourage us in today is the same thing that Paul encouraged Timothy in, in verses 13 and 14 of 2 Timothy 1, where he said, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learn from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. So something very important has been entrusted to you from those relatives or straight from the Holy Spirit as he's given to you. And it is these wholesome teachings, the precious truth, the word of God. And, you know, when we hold the Bible in our hands, when we read the New Testament of the scriptures, these are not just a collection of mythical stories that some people in power were using to control the masses. But these are the precious truths of God that have been inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, I would question those who question the Bible. What is your agenda about trying to get people to move away from the moral teachings of the scriptures? And what is your agenda to control the masses with your philosophies of life? And you know, the moral lifestyles of the scriptures is not some outdated, repressive, legalistic list of do's and don'ts. But these, are the way, these truths are the way to the good life here on earth and to rewards in the kingdom of heaven. And so uh, I want to fan your flame today because of the truths of the scriptures. So will you turn to someone next to you and fan them a little bit and say your descendants are going to remember your disciplines. Go ahead. So there are a group of folks that we're going to be commissioning today, laying hands on and endorsing. And um, as we do, we're mindful of 1 Timothy 5.22. It says, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourselves pure. And there are some ways of laying on of hands that you can lay hands on anyone and pray for the sick, but... Um, when it comes to endorsing as leaders, it has to be someone that uh, you've known over a period of time. And so with those of you whom we've contacted and who are registered to be commissioned today, would you go ahead and make your way to the front and stand down here uh, on the front of the stage on the floor, right down here in front of me? Go ahead and get up and come on down. And while they're making their way to the front um, in the future, my hope is, is that many more of you will be commissioned here at the church um, and that we can endorse many more of you. And the people that are being commissioned today aren't claiming perfection, but they're committing themselves to biblical morals and they're being endorsed to lead and teach. Now, uh, just about anybody can volunteer and volunteer roles are certainly significant, but to lead and to teach is uh, a different level uh, around here, and so many here are going to be teaching kids in Kid City and uh, students and city youth and adults and tribes and classes. They're going to be uh, prayer leaders who are authorized to speak prophetic words of authority into people's lives. And so, um, my dear brothers and sisters who are coming for commissioning today, 
you are loved. And I'm going to read down a list of the things that you're committing yourselves to today. And at the end of that list, you can just say, I do, if you can agree to these things. Do you commit to walk in the ways of Jesus and follow his moral teachings? And do you commit to love and serve others without discrimination? And would you commit yourselves to lead and teach according to orthodox biblical doctrine? And will you commit yourselves to the mission of City Church downtown, which is helping people who feel far from God become fully devoted followers of Jesus? And would you commit yourselves to use your spiritual gifts that you've received under the covering of City Church downtown? If you'll agree to all these things, just say, I do. Good. Well, we're mindful of 1 Timothy 4.14, which says, do not neglect the spiritual gift you've received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. And so because you've been seen as a person of exceptional moral character and gifts, it's our privilege to lay hands on you and pray over you and endorse your leadership here at church today. And so church family, as a show of support, would you reach out your hands towards these leaders and all voice a prayer on our behalf. Father, I want to thank you for each leader that's come here today. And as I lay my hands on them and other church leaders do the same, we're praying for an impartation of gifts, an impartation of the Holy Spirit, not just spiritual gifts, but also spiritual power, power of love, discipline, Father, I pray for each one that as they're leading and teaching that that you would give them wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit because there are times where it's difficult to know the right thing to say or do. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give them a special wisdom that they would hear from you and know that they're speaking the very words of God. I pray for their spiritual descendants, not just in their households, but also in their classes, groups, tribes, and in their circles of influence. I pray that you would protect them, protect their hearts. Father, I pray that they would overflow with the fruit of the Spirit, with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I thank you for each one as they have stepped up in faith and in courage. I thank you that even though the enemy has tried to get them to feel unworthy from past things, that those things are gone. All things are new in Christ. And so we don't receive today any sense of guilt or shame from past things. But now we're receiving power on these leaders to move and walk in the ways of the spirit as the wind of the spirit blows that their sails would direct them in your paths we thank you for all that you've already done in and through them and we pray that you would continue to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within these leaders in your church throughout all generations forever and ever. And we pray these things in your name, Jesus, and for your sake, everyone said, amen. Would you guys join us in standing? Good.
as we sing together. Father, we thank you and pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fan the flames in our hearts, that some of us have been like those coals that are ashing over, but you would somehow by your Spirit fan fan our flames to get us ablaze again, that we would not be ashamed to speak of you, our resurrected Lord, to others that we would be a people of power, but not just all these gifts and abilities, but they would all come with love at the same time and that our hearts would have genuine compassion for other people and genuine empathy and concern and care. We thank you for what you're doing among us. We thank you for what you've done in the lives of these leaders that we've recognized today. And I thank you for the people in this congregation throughout many of whom will be commissioned in the future and many of whom right now are spreading your love in the circles in which they live. I thank you for them. Such a great group of folks here. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.